Tatiana. Recording in progress. Déjame entrar. Yep. That was pretty sweet. So, Miguel Jr. and Elisa had not seen their mom in over a year. Miguel had not seen her since January. And uh, she was very glad to be here. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Miguel with a, like, a cry before or anything. <laughs> Normally one of the happiest guys I know. Not that he wasn't happy there, but yeah. That was a good day, good moment. Um, bienvenidos. Y... Y te, te toca cuidar a los niños el, en la semana que viene. Okay. I said, I said, welcome, and you're in the nursery next week. Congratulations. Um, yes. Yes. Um, nuestra clase de membresía, uh, estamos ofreciendo en, en tres partes, tres domingos después del culto, tenemos la clase de membresía de Hope Church eh, y reunimos hoy mismo después del culto si estás interesado y tenemos almuerzo para todos que vienen, uh, pero esta versión está en español. Sí. Y entonces, um, if you didn't understand that, that announcement wasn't for you. Um, But uh, we are having our very first, uh, the, and it, what should be fun about the Discover Hope in Spanish is we just, we just stuck the whole file in Google Translate and let it spit it out. <laughs> so I, st I didn't even clean up the scripture verses. This, they're you're going to have some really confused native Spanish speakers when they start reading through our membership class. They'll be like, nope, I'm not joining this church. They worship a toad. I don't know. But uh, um, anyway, uh, should be interesting. But um, that's today after church. We'll feed you lunch. Uh, but you got to speak Spanish if you want a free lunch. That's you know, well, mostly true. Anyway, um, anything I forgot? I think that's it for now. All right. Why don't we have all of the important people come down to the front? Todos los... Toda la, la gente importante que vienen al frente, por favor, vienen, vienen adelante. Come forward. If you are in fifth grade or younger, we invite you down for our children's chat at this time. Grade. What grade are you in? Second. Second grade? First grade. Yeah, yeah. I got kicked out of kindergarten one time. <laughs> like the whole thing. I had to start over the next year. Yeah, well, power to you. All right. Nobody else has been kicked out of school? Okay, probably a good thing. You should keep it that way. Yeah, it'll be better. Okay. Well, um, 
let's see. We've been talking about God. How many gods do we have? One. one. And that one God eternally exists in three persons. What are the three persons of our one God? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So is that three gods? Yeah. No. Three persons. How many gods? One God. There's only one God. But God is so big that he needs three persons to help us express and relate to him, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you understand the idea of a father, right? Right? Like what, what should a father do if he's, doing, if he's doing it right? What should your father do? He should love you, right? Make you feel safe, take care of you. Um, what about a son? You know what a son is? Look right over there or back there. Yep. That's what a son looks like. And a son should obey his parents, honor his parents, right? And be a good person, help people around him. Um, so father, son, and then what is the Holy Spirit? What would that be? You, you're not wrong. Yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together are one God. And the Holy Spirit, um, let's see. I'm going to read to you from the Bible. You ready? Yep. All right. It says, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What does that mean? So you believe that God loves you, right? Yeah. And he made you, and he forgives you. He sent his son, God the Father sent the son so that we could be forgiven, right? We all understand that. God the Father, he sent his son. What was his son's name? Jesus. Jesus. All right. Um, you want a star? I got a star. I got gold, silver, or red. Red? Okay. That's good. Hold out your hand. Whoop. Other side. There you go. Boom. Good job, Ellie. So Jesus was the, is God the Son. He came to bring us forgiveness, right? So God the Father loves us. God the Son forgives us. God the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In our hearts, that's right. And so that's, the, that's what God gave us to make sure that we know that he loves us. He lives inside of us, right? Yes, sir. They found mystery stuff about Jesus on Netflix. The crown of thorns? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And he did that because he loves us, yeah. right? Yeah. And so God the Father sent God the Son so that we could be forgiven, and he sent God the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts so that we know that God is always with us and that he is a promise 
that God will be with us in this life, and he will carry us with him in the next life so that we can live with God, with Jesus, for how long? Forever. That's right. That's right. That's how long God's love lasts. Forever. That's a long time. He's never going to forget you because he's living inside your heart. Boom. Wow. That's awesome. Even when you die, he's still alive. Your soul goes with him, and you're with God for how long? I think you get it. Forever and ever. Can we pray? Until infinity day and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear might have said. Can we pray? All right. Dear God, we thank you that you are our loving Father, that you sent your Son, Jesus, so that we could be forgiven, and that you have placed your Holy Spirit in each of our hearts so that we know that you are with us all the time in this life and forever. We thank you that your love never ends. We thank you that we are part of your family. We pray your blessing over these children as they study more of the Bible and hope for kids today. May they come away with a deeper understanding of how much you love them. Your blessing over them and their teachers, we pray in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. All right, y'all have a good time. Yeah, I should probably put those away. All right. Mike and Kim, you've been displaced. Yeah, your seats are filled with Cubans now. <laughs> yep, that's a, that's, a, that's a good one. It's a good reason to change sides. Welcome to the dark side. Sorry. You'll fit right in, that's right. Um, <laughs> I won't make any snoring comments that, you know, all right. Um, so we are, we, uh, we started a series in the fall moving through the Psalms of Ascent, and we got about halfway through and we figured out there wasn't enough time between the end of that halfway point and the beginning of Advent, which is two Sundays from now, which is hard to believe, um, for us to finish that series. So we put that series on pause, and then Dart and I were talking, like, what, what could we do that would be a, like one series in three parts? Like, what, what is, what's one thing that has three, I, we couldn't figure it out. So we decided, instead of trying to figure that out, we'll just do a series on the Trinity. Nobody's laughing. It's a rough crowd. I don't get no respect around here. Um, so we uh, looked two Sundays ago at the person of God the Father, and we used the story of the prodigal son for that. We looked last week at the person of God the Son in Jesus Christ, and this week, we're taking a look at the um, third person of the Trinity, uh, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And as I told the kids, and this is really important when we're talking about the Trinity, there is only one God, right? And we'll talk about why uh, he exists eternally in three persons a little bit later in this, in this message, but 
Um, for now, we're going to focus in today on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you would join me in prayer as we, pre- excuse me, as we prepare our hearts for God's Word today. God, our loving Father, we come before you as we open your word. We pray that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us today through your word and by your spirit, that we might grow more and more into the men and women of God that you have created us to become. We pray that um, you would help us in our approach to your word to lay down the burdens of our hearts at the foot of your cross to give you our sins and disappointments and everything else that might hinder our hearing of your word. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. And we uh, confess to you that we are sinners who need that forgiveness and grace. And so, Lord, we come before you and we give you the relationships in our lives that are strained. We pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift to you those whom we know and love who are sick or recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses. We pray your healing mercies upon your people. We pray for one of our founding members, Kathy Vickery, as she battles cancer. We just pray that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit and pour out your healing upon her. I pray that same healing over my sister-in-law, Madeline, and we lift to you all of those whom we know and love who are battling illness, and we just pray your healing over them. We lift to you those who mourn, and we pray your comfort over their hearts. We lift to you our country and our leaders at every level of government, elected and appointed. We pray that you would give wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform, and we pray that you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. And Lord, we lift to you those who've returned home from their service changed as a result of the sacrifices they've made. And we just pray your healing over them, mind, body, and soul. Use us, your church, here at Hope and around the world to pour out that healing and that hope that you have given us in Christ. And Lord, we pray for those churches with whom we are connected Uh, through our denomination, through our missions giving, and through church planting here in Texas. And we just pray your blessing over all those works in all those many places. May your word go forth through the mouths of your people today and not return to you empty. We pray your blessing over the time we spend here in your presence now as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, The subject of the Holy Spirit um, is a rather large subject, and one needs to figure out a way when taking on uh, the entire Holy Spirit in one Sunday to kind of whittle down and focus in. And so two places I wanted us to stop in Scripture. One is, well, in the beginning, not the baseball game, but the Bible, Um, And uh, so the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, let me read those for you. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
So there's three things I want you to see in that passage before we move forward in, in what we're doing today. One is this, this pre-existent God, that God existed before anything was formed, before there was anything in what we call space, um, God existed. And he existed eternally, and this is really important, in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the reason that's important is if you think about nothingness and what, what this scripture calls the void, um, even there, there is love. Love has uh, a giver and a receiver. And in the Trinity, you have this harmony of love between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you have a pre-existent being with no object for his affection, then you don't have love. And so, however, if you have a pre-existing being that has that eternally exists in three persons that ha- can express and receive love to and from one another, you have what we would call eternal love. So, what's really important to note here, God does not need us. He doesn't need us. He can eternally exist in perfect, holy harmony, in love, relating Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to one another forever. He does not need anything else. He wants us. He created us because he wanted to. The Bible says that it was in love that God did all these things. That was his purpose, was to take that love that eternally exists in the three persons of the Trinity and the one God and spread it out throughout the universe. One of the things I've loved watching recently is the new um, telescope and the pictures that it's sending back. Have you seen any of these? The, the web telescope? And just how incredible and beautiful this universe is. And it's just an, another expression of the heart of God that he said to, to the void, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to fill this void with light, with love, with, with joy. And I'm going to create from my heart people in my image. And we could go on through the first chapter of Genesis to see where God creates man and woman in his image. Um, but for now, I just want you to see at the very beginning, before there was anything, there was an eternally existent God that had a loving relationship between the three persons of the Trinity. And all three of those persons are here in those first three verses. You have God the Father, the initiator of it all. You have the Spirit hovering over what would probably we would probably call space or nothingness. Um, and then... You have God's word. He speaks. And we know from elsewhere in the Bible that the word of God is the second person of the Trinity. It's Jesus. And so you have God, the creator. You have God, the spirit, and the word of God all there in concert with one another in the very first three verses of the Bible. And so then the Bible is full of other references to the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's how I uh, decided to do this. 
I'm, I'm like pouring over, so I've got this computer search thing, the Bible on my laptop, and I put in spirit, and I make a couple filters, and I start reading. And I'm like, oh, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to be here a while. Um, and so I start, and I like to read context, and so I start trying to read around some of these verses, etc. And I'm overwhelmed at how many references there are in the Old and New Testament to the Spirit of God. And I get to the book of Ephesians, and I notice there are more hits in that book of the Bible than any other New Testament book, well, of that size anyway. There were a bunch of verses in the, in the book of Ephesians that took up the subject of the Holy Spirit. So I just said, okay, let's look at all of those. Let's look at how the Apostle Paul develops the idea of the Holy Spirit in one letter, and just in the letter of Ephesians. And it's, it's rather impressive, and I'm just going to, some of the verses I'm going to read to you, I'm, I'm just clipping them out of their more full context, but keeping them in the context of their relationship to all the other verses in Ephesians that reference the Holy Spirit. So we're going to bounce through the book of Ephesians real quick and take a look at, uh, I think I got them all. I might have missed a couple that just referred to the Holy Spirit with pronouns, but I didn't I didn't take the time to go look for those very thoroughly. So these are all the verses and some of the verses around them that mention the Holy Spirit in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Same chapter, verse 17, that the Lord of our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Um, and then in chapter 2, verse 18, the for through him, that's referring to Jesus, just so you know what the, the uh, pronoun rep uh, reference is. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Then a few verses later, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Then in the next chapter, 3, verses 4 and 5, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Then later in chapter 3, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Then in the next chapter, chapter 4, I therefore, this is Paul speaking, and he's actually in prison for being a Christian at the time he's writing this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Then from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Then Ephesians chapter 5, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians six seventeen through 18. And take, and this is the discussion, Paul's discussion of the full armor of God, that we are given in Christ and to put on to uh, protect and develop our faith. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. One thing I want you to notice in... um, you, you can see in several of these verses the mention of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not necessarily by those terms, but God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, all in concert with one another. And in the same way that it, at, at the time of creation, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, um, you have this in at the end of uh, chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, the Spirit, which is, this, I'm sorry, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. This idea that the Spirit is always working in concert with the Word. The two go together. They are distinct in nature, but they always work together. Here's why that's important. When, when we do this, when we open our Bibles and we begin to read it's more than reading. It's not like you're reading Shakespeare. It's, it's, it's more than your intellect that is involved. It is the work of the Spirit through the Word in you, taking you through and into a deeper understanding than you could get just intellectually. So we engage our intellect, and we engage our faith, and we give room for the Spirit to move and speak and help us to understand. And we'll talk about this more in just a moment. Um, So, what are we to take away from Paul's uh, expansive use of the term spirit in the book of Ephesians? I think the first thing that Paul wants us to see is that we are to live in the security of the Holy Spirit. When you are a parent of a young child, um, there's tension around certain things. Like you want them to be safe, but you don't want them to be afraid all the time, right? And so you have to teach them not to run out into the street after their ball or whatever. You have to teach them um, to obey, to listen to you, for their own well-being. Um, and you have to give a certain, at certain ages, you have to give certain amounts of instruction on what to do if something goes wrong. If, if there's a fire, what do you do, right? You should tell your kids, like, well, you, you get down on the floor and you crawl out because the air is fresher down there, um, which nobody remembers when there's a fire. You just scream and yell and 
run into the door while you're trying to open it. Um, but you try to tell these things, but you don't want your children being terrified every night they go to bed that there's going to be a fire and they're going to have to come running out, right? You want them, ultimately, to feel secure. And you want to do everything in your power to ensure that where they live, where they sleep, is safe. So this same value is in place in the heart of God in relation to you. He wants you to feel safe. He wants you to know that you are secure in his love. And so look at the language that Paul uses um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, for example. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Can I ask you a question? If God has sealed something, who can unseal it? I suppose God could, but is he going to contradict himself? No. So if your, if your salvation that you access through faith in Christ by the Spirit, if that salvation is sealed by God, imagine him pressing a, a piece of metal into hot wax over an envelope, right? God has sealed that. Who can take that away? No one. Children, we are safe. We are safe from whatever may come. And that doesn't mean God's going to spare you from harm or difficulty or anything else. It just means that in it all, you are loved, you are safe, you are secure. You're Eternal destiny is sealed by the hand of God. No one can undo that. So that should change how we live. That should make us desire to live in a way that's, well, we'll talk about that later. Let's just get through the security part now. Your place in God's family is sealed. The deposit of the Holy Spirit within you is your guarantee that you are eternally part of God's family. He has, I mean, you see this in real estate transactions, right? Um, if you want the deal to, if you want the, the seller to take you seriously as a buyer, you put a few thousand bucks down. You're like, hey, this is a deposit. I'm serious. Uh, let's talk. And this is very similar to what God does. He, he, he's uses this language of a seal, a stamp into hot wax that is, has authority and meaning and value, and he says, I'm making a deposit for your security. It's the deposit of the presence of his Holy Spirit in our hearts. So God the Father loves, Jesus the Son redeems, and the Holy Spirit secures. With the Holy Spirit in your heart, you are safe. You are reminded to whom you belong. It's a deposit that guarantees a future. God has taken up residence in your heart, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.22. Your grasp, your, okay, so your place in God's family is sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
your grasp of God's love, of God's word, is enabled by the Holy Spirit. Listen to chapter 1, verse 17. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. This idea that the word and the spirit work together. It is the spirit's job to help you understand God's word, God's love, God's will, etc. The spirit brings to us knowledge and understanding that we would not otherwise have. Your grasp of God's love is enabled by the Spirit. Paul tells us in a little bit different way in chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, that the mystery of Christ is revealed by the Spirit. In other words, we wouldn't understand the gospel unless the Spirit helped us to understand the gospel. There is a degree of mystery in our faith that the Spirit overcomes. It doesn't take it away, but it transcends what we cannot understand in human terms. It is through the Spirit that we understand God's Word, God's salvation, God's love, God's grace, all of it. So, you are secure. I don't know how else to say that. I hope that that's helpful to you. You're safe. You're in good hands. God loves you. He's got this. You're covered. Then the call that continues in the letter of Ephesians is to live in harmony with the Holy Spirit. We're to live in the security of the Holy Spirit and we're to live in the harmony of the Holy Spirit as God's children. As I said earlier, three eternal persons in one eternal God who are able to love each other eternally. This is where love comes from. It comes from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relating to each other in eternity and then flowing forth from that into creation to ultimately our hearts. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we see in Genesis chapter 1, are in eternal harmony. There is no discord. There's no disagreement. There's no anger. There's, well, God can be angry, but not within the Trinity. Let's be clear. That's, you, that's my job is to make him angry, right? That's, I do, I do, you don't have to do anything. I got this. Um, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternal harmony, the Trinity then is the source of eternal love. This is where it comes from. Father, Son, Holy Spirit relating eternally to one another and then to us. The Son grants us, Paul teaches us in chapter 2, verse 18, the Son grants us access to God in the Spirit, or you could say by the Spirit. It's, well, by His blood, through the Spirit. Let's say it that way. Um, these things are sometimes hard to parse out because there's just one God. But in the three persons of the Trinity, we have all of the activity of salvation. We have the initiative of God the Father, the, the atonement of God the Son, and the awakening work of the Holy Spirit in each of our hearts. This is how it all works in harmony. So, 
you see that eternal harmony that we are called into as God's children, and we are then called to enter into that eternal harmony of the Trinity, to live in concert, in accord with that eternal love. Um, Chapter 4, verse 2. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Do you see the calling? Like we're to live with each other in a way that is yielding and peace-giving and forgiving and kind, and that allows us to put up with each other, right? We, we have grace, the grace that God has shown to us. We are to show to those around us. And so the harmony that we are called into is a call to live in accord with that eternal love and to live in unity with that eternal love. Um, the unity theme is very strong in Paul's language because he, although the term Trinity did not exist when Paul wrote, the idea he understood that God eternally exists in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he is one unified being. And so Paul calls us to live in unity with God and with one another, that the Spirit allows us. <laughs> I'll put it this way. The Holy Spirit allows you to put up with me. Is that fair? Thank the Lord, right? Um, and, and then you can roll that out to whomever else you need to, right? You have been shown incredible grace, and you've been given a deposit that secures your place in God's family forever. So don't live like the devil. There you go. <laughs> Reflect what's been shown to you. Okay. Um, the security of the Holy Spirit, the harmony of the Holy Spirit and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, in effect, the game changer, that you and I are not stuck in this world without help. We have been given the deposit of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Spirit can and will and does flow through us out into the world. So, be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul says. Uh, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let the presence of God within you well up and spill out. Let it flow out from your heart into those, the lives of those around you. Live from that place of power of the Spirit within you. Do you know what the Spirit of God did? Beyond being part of creation, the Spirit of God rose the human dead body of our Savior from the grave. So I, I think we miss this sometimes. Um, everyone who was there, who saw him on that cross, they knew how it ended for anyone who was executed by the Romans. It, it ended badly and with 
finality. No one came off that cross alive. And so for a little while, all hope was gone. And the apostles were huddled up in a little house trying to figure out what, was, what the next move was. And the women went to the tomb to dress the body as was the custom, and he wasn't there. And he spoke with them. And they went back and told the others, and no one believed them. And then that Holy Spirit that raised that lifeless body from the grave and gave it life again walked with those disciples through the next 40-some-odd days, 50 days. They ate together, they fished together, they talked, they sat, they listened, they slept. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. It overcame death itself. It overcame the grave. It brought life out of a tomb. That power is alive within us. We have that power in our hearts. That is the power of God, and it is yours, and it is at your disposal, weirdly or dangerously enough. Um, but it only, it only really comes out when we're working in concert with the Trinity, with the love of God through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we're in that groove, there is power untold that can flow through us. We are to live from the power of the Spirit that is within us, and we're to let the Spirit shape us through God's Word. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the reason that these two things are conflated here or brought into such close proximity with one another is because, as, and I've, I've said this earlier, but the Spirit does its best work through the Word. So when you open your Bible, something happens that is greater than just reading and reflecting. It's the movement of the Spirit. And we can, we can engage God's Word, and if we're listening to the movement of the Spirit, we are convicted of sin. We realize how dark our hearts are, how much we need God's grace and forgiveness. And we are also inspired toward good, toward love, toward mercy, towards kindness, to move toward people around us in ways that are redemptive, that are in, again, harmony with the love of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We let the Spirit shape us, and then being filled with the Spirit, I'll just put it this way, means that we are to pray like crazy. And when we are at our best, we don't have to stop and close our eyes or kneel down or do anything to pray. The Spirit of God is already in your heart. The Bible says you are His temple. You are the dwelling place of God on earth. You are the body of Christ, and the spirit that raised him from the dead is alive in you. And so wherever you are, 
you're praying, which is terrifying, um, every aspect of life can be, should be, is prayer. Because everywhere you go, God is with you. You are in the temple that people used to have to go through great measures to get to in order to offer up their prayers. Not here, not in, not in, not in Christ. He's here with you. And so pray at all times, the Bible says. Turn all of life into a prayer in the Spirit. That means leaning in to God's presence within you, listening, asking, seeking, engaging. Pray in the Spirit and pray for God's people. I, I love the way Paul rolls that out. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Who do I usually pray for? This guy. Right? Who does the Bible tell me I should be praying for? All of these guys. I get it backwards. And when we are in harmony with the Holy Spirit, with the Trinity, and we are sitting in the truth of our security, I don't need much. I don't need much. My, the focus of my prayer can be on you or anyone, but it probably doesn't need to be on me. So what healthy looks like is resting in that eternal security that is yours, engaging in the power of the Spirit on behalf of those around you. That's when we are at our best. That's when we are expressing, does God sit around and pray for himself? No. Does Jesus intercede for us? Yes. And so we should reflect that Trinitarian harmony in the way we pray. To engage on behalf of others, the power of the Spirit for the good of the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? God, our loving Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us, that you gave your Son to redeem us to yourself, and that you have filled us with your Holy Spirit to ensure that we complete the journey, that you have sealed with your spirit, our eternal place in your family, that no one can take that away from us. And therefore, you have called us to live in security and strength and in the power of your spirit to use all of what you have given us for the good of others, for the growth of your kingdom, for the sake of your glory. Lord, we thank you that we belong to an eternal family, and that you have given us your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts, to lead us and guide us, to help us understand your word, and to give us the power with which to live and look beyond this life to what is eternally true and eternally ours in Christ. Lord, fill us with your Spirit and lead us to live our lives in such a way that we reflect the harmony of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit 
in the way we relate to those around us. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.